Welcome to Chapter 3 of HealthSystemCIO.com's interview with Sarah Richardson, CIO at NCH Healthcare System. In this segment, Richardson talks about what it takes to motivate a team, how to weed out those who aren't in the right seats on the bus, and why volunteering is so important to her. We created the most awesome team in MidAmerica. We were um, last place on some of our key monthly operating report metrics. And I remember I had the coolest boss at HCA when we weren't doing well on a metric. He would like take a picture of it on his cell phone from his screen and he'd send me a text and go, awesome job on X. And he'd sort of send me one of those like funny faces because he knew that I'd be motivated by doing well. And I remember coming into the staff meeting, I said, okay, well, here's the text we just got from, you know, from our boss and we're in last place on on this metric. Everyone's like, oh. And so you kind of get that pride going. I'm like, how can we get to first? I said, "At at our own capacity, how do we get to number one? because there are 14 divisions in, in HCA, and so it was, it was very um, co-opetition. It was cooperative competition. I'm like, what's everybody else doing that's making them be so good, and what are we missing on this one? And um, so we just literally figured out one at a time, how do we get to number one here? How do we get to number one here? And I remember one of my teams in, in a couple areas said, what if, we, what if is number two good enough? And I said, what do you mean? They said, well, if we're number two on this, these two metrics over here, then we can do these other projects that we want to do that we think are more important than just being number one over here. And I said, okay, well, if being number two is good enough, then sure. That's all I had to say. Yeah. And they figured out how to be number one and still get the other things done that they wanted to get done. So you just kind of meet people where they are. But again, it came down to making people feel like they could do things they never had either envisioned or thought possible before and we're doing it here. I mean, just this yeah. team's starting to do some really cool things that they didn't have time for before, and we've just been evaluating the work differently. And I'm like, okay, so why are we doing it this way? Or what do you really want to be doing, and how can we make this happen? And um, we're just continuing to see progress here as well. So I think that's kind of the – and here's what's funny. It's, it's not magic, and it's not even formulaic. It's just the right thing to do. Yeah, it's it's really interesting when when you talk about um, when you have people that that you you know are are very bright and hard workers, but they're not reaching their their full potential, and just and getting them to that point is is something that you know can seem so insurmountable. But it seems like you have to uh, almost like take it by a case by case basis, but then um, you know realize that it has to be a, a gradual thing. Yeah, and the other thing too is recognition for people. It's like one of my systems guys was here from 8 a.m. to 1 a.m. the other day, and I, and I mean, luckily his manager was like, you know, the next day, like, dude, work from home. <laughs> you know, it wasn't like come in. He, he just had a configuration he wanted to get done, and we had a couple things just occur, right? And um, the next day when he came, he came in the day after. I'm, I just written him a hand handwritten thank you card, and I put a five dollar tropical smoothie gift card in there, and was like hey, thank you for working a 16-hour unsolicited shift, right? Like, thank you for making sure that we didn't have to worry about that one system because you wanted to make sure it was perfect. And that was just something that he, we needed to get it done, but he made sure it happened. And those are, that's an unsung hero. Nobody in the entire hospital system is going to know or necessarily even care why he was there because it's a back-end system. It's keeping the lights on. 
But his dedication to making sure that that happened, and he's a new guy on our team, and he wasn't doing it for the glory. He was doing it because he goes, I'm only dealing with something once, and then I'm moving on to the next project. I'm not going to spend five days messing around with something when I know I can just, if I sit down and do it, it gets done. And um, wow, right? To have that kind of team member is unique and special and should be rewarded. Yeah. Something like that really does go a long way, though, you know, just that recognition, like you said. Yeah, because otherwise, I mean, otherwise there's no incentive for him to want to work that hard. I don't expect him to be here 8 to 1 every day, but I know that if, I ha- if I'm going to be in a foxhole somewhere in a firefight, I already know I want that guy with me in that situation. Yeah, absolutely. And now when you talked about um, Mid-America, when you said that there were there were really bright people, but they were working in silos, um, what, what would you say are some of the early steps to, to just like um, – reversing that or just trying to, you know, take that in a different direction? I took a pretty hardline approach. I'm not sure it was necessarily appreciated um, in the beginning, but when I got there, I already knew that probably 50% of the people on the leadership team were not the right seats on the bus. Right. Okay. And to validate what I was sensing, because when you first get to an organization, you just listen. You spend the first 60 to 90 days, you know, you figure out what your burning imperatives are, you know, what's really broken or what needs to kind of be addressed right now. But as you sit back and you really just listen, you talk to everybody, and you ask a million questions, and you just listen. And luckily, I'd already been with HCA for about six years at that point, so I knew the reputation of the team and kind of what I was walking into. So it wasn't like a blind, brand-new assignment. So when I got there, I actually took our vice president of organizational development, who is was an organizational psychologist, and I brought her in to some team building events. And she knew the backstory. I said, hey, yeah. I already have a sense. And she goes, don't tell me who you think shouldn't be here. Let's do a couple off-sites, a couple days of off-sites and team building and see where things land. And she would do things like the Myers-Briggs, like the, a trust survey, and how good are we as a team, and really team self-evaluations to see how people responded and what the feedback would be, et cetera. And after two days, I mean, those people had already identified themselves without having, having even to like go through extra detail. It's like there's the insolent one in the corner. There's the one who's on their laptop and won't pay attention. Here's the one that's trying to control the environment. Here's the one who just burst into tears and is you know, bringing up like 20 years of history. I'm like, you just identify the team that needs to go. And um, the trick at that point was, okay, then when? You're not going to – in some cases, yeah, you're going to let all four people or five people go at the same time. Other points, you're like, wow, you know, um, I can't just slash the whole team. A, that doesn't yeah. foster anything. And B, I still need some of these people to help me build. And not everyone was a lost cause, right? You think, okay, they're on the fence. Let's coach them and say – and within a few months, we're going to coach them up or out of the organization. Um, and honestly, it probably took about 14 months to weed out um, the team members that really shouldn't be at the leadership table and to start to hire the right personality for the table. And after 18 months, I felt like I was 90% there. I had exactly the, the who. I had to start building on um, how we were going to perform. And then we merged the two divisions, and I literally had to start all over again. Yeah. And that was okay because we had just done it. And, uh, again, we made a lot of decisions and a lot of changes. And uh, so funny enough, at the, at the end of all of it, I was at about year four, and I thought, I have the perfect team. And we, were do- we did monthly off-sites because I think it's important to get out of the office and just think and, and work on your strategic and, and key operational initiatives together. 
And I remember sitting there thinking, this is awesome. Like this is exactly what you, you strive to have. And I also personally knew it was time to move on because I'd done what I set out to do there. I had a successor in place. I had this high-functioning, amazing team. And I'm like, my, my work here is done. And that's when I started to look for what was next for me. So you build like the perfect thing, and then, then it was time to move on. And um, so sort of bittersweet in, in the realization that I already knew that was my long-term plan at that point. And, uh, and luckily, I mean, a, a team and an organization should be better after you leave because you created that environment. And um, they are. They're doing the most amazing things um, in that division. And I'm still in touch with a lot of them and just so proud of them because they continue to um, believe in themselves and do fantastic work. And they have the perfect um, replacement for me. He's just this really dynamic, really energetic guy that um, was exactly what they needed next. So yeah. it's, just a, it's just fun to be able to say, hey, that's the way it's supposed to go, and it, and it worked, and it was the right mix. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And it seems like you, you definitely found the right landing spot. <clears throat> yeah. It's just, you know, a lot of times people will want to go into their career, and they say, I'm going to do this for 20 years, and they're, like, perfectly okay with that, and that's wonderful. And when you, you make plans for your career, you make plans for your life, and most of the time it happens that way, but you never quite know what's going to come at you because if you told me a year ago I'd be working, not working for my previous company and living in Florida, I would have been like, really? <laughs> and yet, once I made the decision to do it, it all fell into place. And so I think as long as you plan, have multiple contingency plans, then um, you're always going to land on your feet. Yeah. So the last, the last thing I wanted to ask you about um, was just about uh, volunteer work. And that's something that I saw on, on your LinkedIn. And to mm -hmm. me, I have a lot of respect for people who have the intense workload and, and life of, of a CIO and, and, you know, are able to carve out time for volunteer work. And I uh, just wanted to, you know, talk about how that does benefit you. It's really the most important thing you can do is to be in a place of security or means of any kind. And when I say that, I think about Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? If you can come to work every day and and make a difference, then the next thing you think about is how do you give back? And yeah. it's always been something that's been important. That's how I was raised, but it's always been something important to me in my career. And even here, I came to Naples with a really specific plan to say, okay, these are the three organizations, so two at the time and now a third, that I really want to be involved in. And I'm going to spend 90 days getting settled at work, and then I'm going to join these organizations. And so I've already done that. I've, I'm aligned with Big Brothers, Big Sisters, Wounded Warriors, and the Shelter for Abused Women and Children here in Naples. And I'm, like, so excited because I just met with the Wounded Warriors guys the other day, and they're like, yeah, totally, we need you, we need your help. And I'm like, I was just, it was, to me, it was like I got to check that box of I am involved exactly in the three areas that I want to be involved in involved in from a philanthropy perspective here at the hospital. And it's so rewarding. It's so rewarding to be able to say, I'm in a position that allows me to have a voice. I'm in a community that supports philanthropy. I'm in a hospital that it's all about philanthropy. And here's how I get to be a part of that at work, at home, everywhere. And um, HCA was very much that way too. And so I think that um, you go and you work for companies that have the same values that you do. And I have ne HCA was amazing with philanthropy and caring for the community. And they really instilled that. They gave you time off to do volunteer work. And they gave had huge um, company initiatives around caring for the community. And so 
I've always worked in an environment where that was a true statement. And if you're passionate about something and it can make a difference, then you have to give back. You have to find opportunities to give back. And so if there is something that's specifically important to you, animals, women, children, warriors, whatever that is, go after it. There's so many 501c3s out there that need support and need help. Um, you can use charitynavigator.org. They're my, my favorite way to determine is your charity like doing the things that they're supposed to do. And go out there and give back. And a lot of people say, I don't have any money to give. So then give time. And it doesn't have to be a lot of time. So yeah, I work you know, however many hours I work every week. But um, for the shelter, for example, they need people to go out and give speeches about the shelter to different groups. So I joined their speaker bureau series. So now when the shelter needs somebody to talk about the shelter programs, um, they send me. And I can go talk to a Rotary Club. I can go talk to a high school. I can go talk to um, a business meeting to, for an organization and do, I call it the 5, 10, 15, or 30-minute uh, version of what the shelter brings to the community. So it's just really awesome to be able to um, figure out how your skill set fits into an organization. And it doesn't have to be about monetary donations. Sure, that's great. But the best resource you can give to most organizations is dedicated time as well. Right. Oh, that's, that's great. It's really good to hear. And, and to give those resources out is really helpful too because you know, I think that for a lot of people it's on their mind. Like it's something that they want to do, but it's, it's a matter of just getting that push and saying you, know, you, you can find the time you can, and that, you know, make it part of your job. That, that's, and that's really a lot great. of places are open to families doing that. So yeah. um, it's just me and my boyfriend, and we don't always have a lot of time together. So we try to align our charity work together. So it's like, hey, Saturday, what do you want to do? Well, hey, we're going to go volunteer over here. We're going to do a, a 5K you know, donated to um, this organization. But it's yeah. time together. So you combine like your civic, your social, your philanthropy. You combine all these ports of life together, and you do it together. And a lot of them will even allow families to participate. So um, yeah. incorporating it into your lifestyle isn't as hard. I would say just start small. Don't like, if you start huge, you're likely like a diet, right? You're probably going to yeah. fail. Start with <laughs> right. small incremental things that make a difference, and um, you'd be surprised of how much uh, time you find, but the reward that's attached to it, it feels really good to be able to do something for others. Yeah. All right. Um, that covers everything I wanted to talk about. Um, I really appreciate your time, and, and I love your energy. I think it's very inspiring, and it's you know, great to hear, but, it's, but also hearing about your experiences I think will be really beneficial to, to our audience. So thank you so much. I appreciate it. No, thank you for your time, and definitely would love to uh, connect with you at Hymns and Chime and whatnot. So um, I look forward to just meeting you in person in the future, and I appreciate the time that you took. All right, thank you. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye. Thank you for listening to this podcast from healthsystemcio.com. To hear other podcasts, visit our website or subscribe to our account in iTunes at healthsystemcio.com backslash podcast.